Welcome to episode four of From the Be All End. I'm Simon Evans and with me is Andrew Greaves, Chris Borden, Justin Connolly and Paul Woodhouse. And there's a lot been going on in Claret's world over the last week or so. So let's dive straight into it. Uh, fixture list out was the big item uh, of the last uh, week, really. Um, Manchester City at home to start with. What do we think about that, uh, Chris? Is that a good start, good time to play them or, or, or the worst possible? I don't think there's ever a good time to, to play Manchester City, if, uh, if the truth be told. I, I was watching a debate on social media today saying how many, uh, you know, where would City finish if they played the entire season with eight men? <laughs> <laughs> and one of the pundits was trying to say, yeah, they'll be fine, they'll stay up. And uh, yeah, you tend to agree with him. But, uh, no, it, it's, if, if you're going to play City, I suppose... You know, we're now what just just over a week, ten days since you know they've been crowned European champions and they won the treble. I think Jack Grealish has tweeted today he's, he's off for four weeks. It's you know maybe they're they're not going to have hit their rhythm, hit their groove quite as early, and they, they have had a couple of sticky results early in the season. You know, you know in the past you know past few years, but uh, it just it doesn't matter. You know, who who the, who plays for them. What system they play, they're just a nightmare, aren't they? But but results have been closer at home than they have been uh, at the Etihad. And uh, I'd say if they lose Kyle Walker, it looks like he's maybe off to Bayern Munich. You know, we don't know where Gundogan's off. There might be, you know, Bernardo Silva might be might be off. And, uh, you know, you never know. It might be a, 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 a newish City side we're facing. So, who knows? You say you've got to play him twice, haven't you, at some stage? <laughs> I mean, for the media, for Sky, it's a dream, really, isn't it? Because they can build up that whole narrative all week about Vincent Company's first game in charge in the Premier League, being against the maestro Pep Guardiola, who taught him everything he knows and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it can also set a tone, though, can't it? If we get, a, you know, if we get seven put past us, Justin, what's your your thoughts on uh, on that start to the season? Do you know what? I find it very difficult to get worked up about the uh, the fixtures. Um, it's not like um... Well, like try. It's, a, <laughs> it's not. It's not like it's a a cup competition where you don't quite know who you're going to play. You know, we've got the list of the nineteen other sides in the division, and we've got to play them all twice. I, su- I suppose on balance, it's probably better to play them earlier in the season before you know they hit the stride. Especially if if they've got if they're going to have some changes in personnel over the summer. It seems like a couple of the mid, you know the key midfielders might might leave the club. But, you know, the same could be said in the middle of the season. You know, they might get injuries, they might get, you know, suspensions or whatever. I just think the company would say it doesn't really matter, wouldn't he? He would say, we've got to play them all twice. Just bring it on. Greavesy, we're looking at the rest of the fixtures list. Anything jump out there? There's Liverpool on Boxing Day, which is, uh, it's nice to have a Northwest uh, rival of some sort to play uh, at Christmas. But anything else catching your eye on the when you look through that uh list yeah i don't know if it's going to happen but looting away second game of the season i know they've been i think they've requested certain amount of grace period because they're having obviously changes at uh at kennel kennelworth road so whether that kind of goes ahead but that's quite a nice early away fixture it's probably quite a nice home fixture from their point of view as well it's probably uh you know a good uh, a good time for one of the promoted clubs to to get points on the board um 
And then I think after, is it Chelsea early October, we've got a bit of a, you don't want to call it a decent run because there's no such thing as a decent run in the Premier League, but you've got a decent run of fixtures there taking us up to that Christmas period or kind of early December period. So I think the fixtures are, the ebb and flow of the fixtures feels a bit more kind of um, a, a bit fairer, the distribution of fixtures. You know, as everyone said, you've got to play everyone twice, home and away. Um, and the running doesn't look too bad at the start of the season. You know, it could be that there's a couple of shocks in there. It could be that actually some of the clubs we expect to be struggling don't struggle. Obviously, Bournemouth have, have got have potted um, their manager this week, got another manager in pretty quickly. Um, you know, lots of lots of things will happen, I think, over the next few weeks. You know, we don't know who's signing who. It's quite quiet at the minute. We don't know which other managers are perhaps going to be shifted. We don't know who's going to be Palace manager. So there's lots of kind of movable, um, you know, movable parts at the minute. So, but yeah, I think certainly that Running, we'd be relatively happy with um, the start of the season. I think what is it? Um, f- four of the first six games at home. Not ideal getting home games out the way early doors, but you know, as as, as Justin alluded to, I think company you know would absolutely take that fixture list all day long. Woody, I know you were amused when uh, JJ Watt posted on our uh, fixture list and suggested he'd he'd be in the away end at Kenilworth Road with ordering a takeaway hot pot. I think. Uh, that... <laughs> Don't start me off, Simon. <laughs> yeah, bless him. He won't get a takeaway up bottom uh, Kenilworth Road, though, will he? But no, we no, have that won't. weird, bizarre stat, don't we, about first game against champions. You know, the Leicesters of this world, Chelsea, etc., City, United. So basically, we're going to piss it. You know, it's tied <laughs> on. You know, at least a, a sneaky little 1 0. And I'll take it because I do agree that it's probably a, a very good time to play him. You know? Yeah, I tend to think it is. I tend to think it is. Teams aren't into the into the their uh, stride yet, and and especially teams with international players as well, who who do like to you know make the most of their international breaks. You know, they don't they've not had many have they with the World Cup. They'll be getting a proper rest in, and then they come back, and they're not going to be at that at the peak. But will we? You know, we'll we'll talk about that later on. What kind of Burnley team it's going to be that lines up against uh, Manchester City, and the other issue, of course. Uh, to move on to is, is tickets um, because there's a new membership scheme being brought in at Turf Moor, which has caused a little bit of confusion and debate. And that's what we're going to talk about next. So, yeah, a new membership scheme. I've got to say, when I looked at the details that came out from the club, I really was scratching my head, didn't understand. I mean, from a communications point of view, I couldn't tell immediately the difference between the premium level and the ultra premium and, uh, you know, the, the member and the, and the premium member and international member, all this stuff. There's been a lot of to and throwing. Fans really shouldn't have to do this, contacting the club and posting on message boards what they've heard from someone in the club shop or whatever about how, it, how it's all working. But, Greavesy, I know you've had a look at this and, 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 and things seem to have evolved since that initial announcement. So what is this system then? Yeah, so we've got a, a new membership scheme which gets you closer to the Clarets. Um, it, it's kind of the, the the two levels, 35 quid for, for those who want to have a chance, a very slim chance of ever getting home tickets. And then the more controversial one is a premium membership, which is 250 quid. Um, and for that, you basically, um, on the surface, get to the front of the queue when it comes to away tickets. Now, 
as you say, the communication was absolutely dreadful from from the club. It just sent out a couple of, you know, JPEG pictures on the on the website to try and kind of trumpet what this brilliant membership scheme was all about. They've now since done an FAQ um, where they've clarified that actually the away ticket they're they're going to basically shave off five percent of of any away ticket allocation and make that available to members it also says they're going to limit the number of memberships available at that premium level to make sure that i guess you know then then premium members who are you know paying 250 quid at least have a chance of getting some away tickets over the course of the season now five percent is not a lot and it probably won't make a huge difference for the big games like at Old Trafford, the Etihad, Arsenal, etc. But some of those games which, you know, people who go to every single away game will want to go to, you likes of Luton, you know, you likes of Brentford, you likes of Crystal Palace perhaps where you get smaller allocations. That's where, you know, literally years and years of loyalty points that you build up, you know, 6,000 loyalty points, which is the, the kind of first rung of the ladder, uh, to get on to, you know, to get these away tickets. Um, that looks like it all counts for nothing now, just because the club's chasing a limited number of 250 quid. Now, if you and Woody in America wanted to be a premium member, um, we have got some delightful uh, perks for you. You not only get a, a reserve table in the fan zone, if you are ever Ooh. on these shows and lucky enough to get a, a home ticket, um, and we don't know the price of home tickets, but you also get a group online call with a Burnley player. Um, so oh I'm quite goodness. looking forward to seeing which youth team are they put up to to, uh, to kind <laughs> of uh, <laughs> fulfil that particular obligation. So, yeah, I think it's it's just when, just when a lot of the stuff coming out of the club feels like it's gone a lot more professional if, you know, that's how we measure things in LED screens and the way hospitality seats look and things like that there's still that tendency to put the foot in it and, and score own goals, isn't there? And it all comes down to that communication. Now, you know, we all work within communication-related industries. And I think, you know, if we're scratching our heads as so-called professionals, then people asking on, you know, up the Claret's message board, I'm a season ticket holder. Do I need one of these memberships as well to get me away tickets? Well, you know, what, what does it point. mean and things like that? Do, do they need it? If you're a season ticket holder, that five percent well, is that capping the the queue jumping two hundred and fifty quid is at five percent, or is yes, it... it is. Yeah, so basically five percent of all away tickets will be saved just for the the premium members. Um, now they're allowed to buy two tickets. So if you club together with a mate, your premium membership only is really only one hundred twenty five quid. So for one hundred twenty five quid, you essentially get to the front of the queue, regardless of how many points you've built up, regardless of whether you've spent double, triple, three times that on a season ticket, you're at the front of the queue. And the chances are you will, you know, if the club are going to limit the amount of memberships, you'll get away tickets. Justin, there was something about that statement that that got your goat a little bit, wasn't there? Yeah, there was actually. Um, I mean, when they put the the news out that this membership scheme was going to be starting, um, one of the one of the quotes in it, which I'm going to give to you now, was really really quite annoyed me. Um, and this is it. I'm going to I'm going to give it to you word for word. We wanted to offer all our fans the opportunity to become a claret and get closer to the club. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been a claret since the day I was born, and I've never had to pay for it up to now. And I, I think that kind of wording is really symbolic of the kind of 
tone deafness of this whole thing, trying to squeeze a bit of cash out of the fans uh, at a time when obviously we're, we're, we're not rolling in it. Nobody's rolling in it unless you're the chief executive of some energy company. Um, so I understand, of course, that the club needs to explore, you know, all the different avenues it can to try and generate some more cash. But this just seems a little bit tone deaf, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And it's it's actually probably not a lot of money either. It's it's a lot of money for the fans, but it's not a lot of revenue for the club when you look at how many people would actually be paying that 250 quid. Chris? Yeah, I'm just obviously in a, a bit of a bizarre situation, really. I mean, I, I finished at the end of August last year and, uh, you know, technically still had a data call pass to the end of the season. And I didn't use it once. You know, I'm not taking the mickey. I, I, I don't work in the, you know, in, in the newspaper industry, you know, and, anymore. And, uh, you know, I paid to go on when I can. And it was difficult enough to get tickets last season without sort of, you know, the added complication of, uh, you know, memberships and, uh, you know, I just, I just feel that um, first and foremost, the club have to look after that hardcore, like Greaves, you said, the ones that are going to mm. be at, uh, at Crystal Palace on a, on a freezing cold Tuesday night. And, you know, the ones that come thicker, th- you know, thicker thin, they are there every game away from home and they must be looked after. I don't care about, you know, high-profile, you know, luxurious diamond membership, this, that, and the other. You look after those who've grafted and got the, you know, got the points over mm. year upon year, and you can't put their noses out of joint. Uh, apart from anything else, that that if, if we're talking about only five percent of the away tickets, at tops, that's going to be five percent of three thousand. Is it? Am I am I right there? Something like Which is that. Only, yeah. It's only two hundred and fifty. It's only one hundred and fifty tickets, isn't it? So, you know, they're not exactly going to be coining it in on this membership scheme if all they've got is one hundred and fifty tickets to sell, are they? No, that's 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 what I don't get about it. You're gonna you you you're rubbing people up the wrong way by effectively incentivizing people to to jump the queue, which people don't. No one likes a queue jumper, um, and. You're doing that, and you're annoying the people who've got loyalty points that are called loyalty points for a reason. They're your most loyal fans who've travelled, as Chris said, home and away to to all kinds of unpleasant fixtures, and then could miss out on the big ones yeah. um, for a very little in in terms of revenue. And it, they don't seem to be making a brilliant job of bringing in revenue from elsewhere either. Really, I think nice. we should. It's annoying, other, it's annoying other people as well, isn't it? Even if you pay that two hundred and fifty quid, if there's only hundred and fifty tickets available. They get they get two hundred people buying that uh, top tier. You have got fifty people who aren't going to. Well, oh, each each one of them get each one of them yeah. is able to buy yeah. two tickets. So you've only got so seventy five people. It just seems like such a weird, a weird. Yeah, it's just a weird, such a weird. It's a strange hill to die on, isn't it? It sounds like something somebody somebody came up with at a meeting and said, "Hey, you know what we could do," and then. It's gone away and been brought in as a policy without anyone really thinking through the issues like we just discussed there. I mean, Woody, as an international claret, and we know that amongst our uh, vast audience for this podcast, there are many Burnley fans in your situation in, in North America and elsewhere around the world. Hello to our Australian listeners as well. Um, Woody, do, does the international uh, membership and that uh, 
possibility of a fan zone reserved seat or table <laughs> or garden chair <clears throat> appeal to you table yeah uh, strangely enough no and you know how i looked uh, looked for the positive in everything simon you know are. But, but it just seems it just seems a like everybody else has said, it seems like I cannot work out what it is that they're necessarily trying to do. You know, where does it compare and contrast versus, you know, other more established Premier League membership schemes, etc. I saw something about Aston Villa, etc. And it just isn't as ridiculously expensive. I don't see anybody trying to like throw 250 quid out there for, you know, international folks who were just going to get a picnic seat, you know, and a chat with Costello if you're lucky, you know, and it's... I, but, and you know, as an international fan, it's relatively cheap to watch Burnley, especially in the US. We can watch Home and Away via Peacock for $49 a year. You know, so this idea of throwing money around left, right and centre just for the privilege of like sitting somewhere near Turf Moor seems a little bit, seems a little bit odd. You know, I think it would actually work out cheaper for me to get on a plane from Fort Lauderdale up to Cleveland. You provide the uh, fan zone in your backyard, <laughs> and, the, and and the picnic table. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. then we just need Chris to to weave his contacts at the club to provide us with a, a virtual uh, interview with uh, Dario Costello or EJ Ethan Riley or yeah. <laughs> Are you getting those names wrong on purpose? Simon? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind, but he's reading them off. <laughs> We can get Hafner's pies to, to sort you out a hot pot and we can ping that over by FedEx. And then you've got the whole the whole shebang then, haven't you? You've got the, the JJ Watt experience in your own backyard in Cleveland. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm saving my 250 quid and I'm coming over there myself. Yeah, yeah, well, you know. I think if there's a thrown in being able to, like, raise the championship trophy on top of a bus while wearing a retro Clarets training top, I don't I'd be tempted by that one. Right. Do they throw? Uh, do they throw any merch in? I'm just, I'm just wondering. I know some of the other clubs when there's a membership pack, which I imagine is some of the leftover hospitality gifts from last season, which, from my experience, have included <laughs> travel coffee mug, a rather fetching card holder, several pin badges, uh, and a blue cheese. I imagine you get that. Do you still yeah. get and blue cheese? Yeah. yeah. The, you do still get the the little <laughs> trunk, truckle trunk, or whatever it's called, a cheese. Yeah, I remember, we used to get a decent little pack with Junior. Who was in Junior Clarets? I was in Junior Clarets. Used to get a little badge, I think. I was in Tufty yeah, Club. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is a Junior Clarets membership, of course, where you get a chance to be a mascot. So <laughs> maybe maybe you and Woody can club together for a Junior Clarets membership. <laughs> Like, we already have, yeah. One of those stag dudes. Have you seen it? You seen them? Yeah. <laughs> well, the stag dudes where people have paid for their mate to go out as as mascot at the, one of these games. It's just absolutely bizarre, isn't it? Like full grown man in full <laughs> yeah. kit. <laughs> yeah. A, a mate of mine, we actually um, the vintage clarets allowed him to be mascot. He's a massive Roger Eli fan. It was actually last week's guest, Roger Eli, who sorted it out, and and my mate Benny went and uh, was the mascot for vintage clarets match against Belvedere in a very ironic way. Um, but yeah, fully grown. I think he was probably mid thirties at that point. Full kit wanker going out and having a kick about. There's all with sorts of things you could stars. you could pay for extra, isn't there? Yeah. Well, I think overall we're probably giving that the thumbs down, aren't we? This uh, this membership scheme. We're all yeah. clarets without being members. Right, let's move on. 
So, the risk of turning this podcast into a total whingeathon, uh, we've got something else new that's come along. I don't know. I think we might have more divided opinion on this. The new club badge or the new version of the club badge, claret and white monochrome crest. Um, I'm interested in our opinions on this one. Uh, let's start off with you, Woody. What What were your thoughts on it? Fucking shit, isn't it? <laughs> really, you know. No, it's like it's like it looks to me like somebody hasn't necessarily put the you know necessary thought in for a, a monochromatic when you only need three colours to to run at. To be fair, to be fair, and it's like a really bad car decal. Did you see that? Even the sun's picked up on it, like one of those Twitter conversation kind of uh, articles with all these people going, oh, it's crap, it's shit. And yeah, it's not it's not great and it doesn't pop. And I mean, Justin is a designer of the graphic variety and I'm sure he'll uh, concur. <laughs> Just well, in your graphic opinion. Well, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Funnily enough, I don't mind it, you know. <laughs> I have to Jesus. say, I think it's a bit of a, I think it's an improvement on, on what went before it, that multicoloured, logo that looked like the sort of thing that somebody had knocked together at the last minute in Microsoft Paint. Um, I, 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 I can't say that I absolutely love it, but I think um, I, I have noticed over the last few years that the sort of design chops at the club, if you will, have seemed to have improved. You know, I, I think there's somebody there who definitely knows what they're doing. You can see it like in the program and stuff like that. And this, I think, is a bit of an extension of that. It's a it's a real sort of simplification of that mark, isn't it? Which immediately solves quite a lot of design problems about where you can and can't use it. And also, it's not actually it's not actually that new, is it? We have used that sort of single colour logo before in various places. In fact, I think I'm right in saying on both the away shirts last mm. season, they weren't white, but they were that, that, that single colour. So, I, I mean... I don't really, I don't love it. I can't say that I love it, but I, I don't mind it. And I think it's an improvement on what we had. Um, if if we were going to go for a single color logo, if it was up to me, we'd be using that uh, BFC logo that's on the front of what they call the, the manager's cap. Oh, yeah. The one from the 70s, you know, the one Absolutely. that was on the V-shirt. I love that. I love that. I'd love to see that make a comeback on a shirt one day. Yeah, 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 absolutely, hundred percent behind that one. I, I think Woody's Woody, Woody's criticism that it doesn't pop. You certainly notice that when you look at like when they put the Premier League put out those uh, infographics with all the teams' logos on. You see something like Notts Forest that does pop, and then you see you see Burnley's that you probably most people are going to be looking at it, going, "What's that? You know, who is it?" Yeah, Which it's quite. Think... It is quite small, isn't it? So it's kind of when you when they use it at a, a smaller size, it doesn't. It kind of just sort of all yeah. looks like a bit of a blob, doesn't it? But you know, exactly. It's busy. It's too busy. It's the it's the it's the modern yeah. It's the modern trend, isn't it? Everyone wants this. So they want simplicity, and they want seem to want this tonal effect. It's all over the training gear, and uh, it's. Uh, I say that you get a lot of people pining for the uh, the badge that was sort of worn from the early eighties to uh, well to the to the yeah uh, two thousand crest really isn't it you know that 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 crest but uh, yeah I, well I mean this is this is the town crest isn't it you know the, in, in in to all intents and purposes but uh, it's uh, I'm, see, I'm adjusting I like the the old classic BFC I know I think Dundee United had uh, I think they they brought it back. 
very recently on one of their strips and it looked absolutely fabulous but uh yeah let's say we uh especially with umbro as well you know you, can, you know you can go down uh go back down through the historical kits and pick out an umbro with the bfc embroidery and come on bring the v back. back i think we've got a campaign there i think we can have a podcast campaign to bring back the v yeah. because the only only issue would be the, the sponsors writing would would uh would mess it up a bit wouldn't it because it's right slap bang so you might need to make the v a bit smaller but um it would look cool with that bfc logo in the middle of it again as well greaves are you are you, you you you're the young lad on this podcast are you uh are you sharing our nostalgia for the v and the old bfc badge or do you like this new one no, 100%. I love the V-shirt. I had a, a kind of Toffs version of that V-shirt back in the day. And I think you can now get a version, um, score draw, I think, do do a version, I think. Uh, but yeah, I, again, as Justin said, that, that BFC logo that's on company's cap is just incredible. If you're going to go for, for something, have that. You know, you don't need a shield around the town crest. And, you know, as, as you know, both Woody and Justin said, it's very busy. It's busy to put in a shield if it's just in, in, in white kind of thing. So, yeah, I'd be all in favour of a from the BLN campaign to bring back the V. And I think it's this is going to be the last year we perhaps could even do that because I think we're uh, we're ditching Umbro at the end of this season for uh, for pastures new. And there's talk of Castori, I think it is, who do uh, Newcastle Rangers and plenty of others. Um, Don't forget Genoa. But there is some good kits out there. And Genoa, there's some good kits out there. I don't know if you saw the Southampton Hummel kit, which Brilliant. is a, a version of the kit from the 80s. I'd love a, you know, almost mm. kind of, I think Villa had a Hummel kit, didn't they, in the 80s as well? Have you seen that Denmark wore the, Denmark wore the, yeah, Denmark wore the 86. Of course, yeah, the 88 to yeah. 92. Yeah. The, uh, the, the I'd love a Claret and Blue yeah. version, like the Villa, a Hummel, Claret and Blue, old logo, BFC logo in gold. Happy days. Let's let's do away with this new quest. Well, that new that was like a half it and half. So it's like, yeah. Would would you? Can I say they've still got the quartered shirt in the club shop, haven't they? The old, uh, you know, when Adrian Heath and Chris Bowler was one. manager. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the, a Hummel version would be like a a half. Not wearing so half. Not wearing half. You won't be able to yeah. get no, that. Definitely not. Strike. You can't. Only can't one club get, wear halves. The quarters quarters was bad enough, wasn't it? With some. <laughs> I remember ringing Radio Lancashire to whinge about uh, the the Adidas kit, the quarter kit, and getting very irate. And Gary Hickson trying to calm me down as like an <laughs> eleven or twelve year old. See, that's I've what... always been a bit of a whinging. <laughs> well, there was uh, expletive there. Chris Waddle had a like a Q and A with some fans. This is like ninety seven, just when they were really, really you know, struggling. They barely scored a goal. They won a game. And that was the famous night when uh, Glenn Road had told one of the fans, he said, you know, he'd said, someone had asked where was Glenn Litton, and he'd said, well, he's, he's at home watching EastEnders. He, he's not fit to not fit to uh, lace, lace Chrissy's boots. But uh, one of the questions that night was about the kit. <laughs> it's like Chris Waddles just threw his hands up, and he's like, well, I can do, <laughs> I'm trying to do what I can do on the pitch, never mind like with a strip. You know, <laughs> they do get people wind up, though. They do. That wasn't me, incidentally. But kits do, don't they? Kits and crests is what we like to whinge about. If we can't whinge about us not spending money on, on uh, you know, on players, then we'll whinge about kits and crests. But yeah, I just think I agree. It's just wishy, wishy washy. Not for me. I like what Villa have done with theirs. I keep seeing a version yeah. of Villa's, which is the old circle badge from 
when they won the European Cup. And I think, again, just, you know, as Chris said, there's a trend towards more retro and, and things like that. I That Villa crest for me is really good. I'm glad we've not gone down the circular route, but this new iteration and for me the, is just, yeah. The thing is, as well, they always talk about brand consistency, don't they, the marketing people and how, how it should. And I think that's what this is an attempt to be, like consistent across. But then every time Vincent Company does an interview, he's got a hat on with the retro badge on, which everybody, you know, we all want to see that badge come back. And, JJ Watt and, likes it too, doesn't he? JJ Watt even wears a retro tracksuit top, doesn't he? You know, so I like the retro stuff that goes in the club shop. They're doing a good job with that. But like, why not incorporate that into the whole thing? Yeah, right. Uh, have we whinged enough now about badges and membership schemes and all that kind of stuff? Obviously, uh, you know, I think that there are there are interesting things on the horizon, um, and let's talk about them and some of the new faces we might be seeing at Turf more in a moment. So, yeah, no new faces through the door yet. We've had some players uh, leaving, uh, plenty of rumours. Uh, we still haven't got um, the loan deal situation sorted out for uh, for several players. Obviously, Jordan Bayer, we did get sorted out very early on, and also Michael Obafemi. But since the windows opened in earnest, um, we haven't seen those deals be done. There has been a report that Martson, that we bid 15 million, that was uh, quite widely reported, and that Chelsea wanted 20 million for him. Um, Woody, would you pay 20 million for a left back or with that kind of club now? Um, probably not. As we, you know, uh, it's, it seems on the higher end, doesn't it? 20 million. And we seem to have this nervous figure that. 15 million with add-ons seems to be our kind of top ceiling for any player currently. And I don't know with Martson, yeah, he's, of course he's a good player, but we also, how defensively frail at times he seemed to be, and that would probably get exposed infinitely more, obviously, in the, mm. in the Premier League. So, no, it seems like a lot. It seems like a lot, especially when you've got people like, you know, Sergio Gomez floating around for more around the 10 million mark. So there may be other options that are better or cheaper. Justin, Justin yeah. your thoughts? You're, you're a Matson well, fan, aren't you? I am a Matson fan. I do. I, I think I think if, if we if we don't buy him, we need somebody at left back, don't we? Um, mm. And I, I don't, it's difficult to say whether, whether 20 million is too much. I think it depends a lot on on what the actual overall budget is you know if that's like you know 30 percent of what we've got to spend then clearly we're gonna to have to think again because i think we probably need more than you know three players don't we we need we need reinforcements in in the areas where the lone players have left and maybe are not coming back uh, and and we need to strengthen elsewhere as well, up front and in mid midfield. So if if it's a big chunk of the of the cash we've got to spend, then I, I think I would be looking elsewhere as well. To be honest, I mean, Chris, the fifteen million has been that number. Woody's right, hasn't he? That seems to have been where Burnley over the last few years have been like. That's as far as we're going to go. Is fifteen? Do we have to break through that this window? Really, if we want to sign people like Teller. And, and, and some of the players were being linked with. Do we, do we have to start signing 20 million players this summer? Probably probably that window has to go. I mean, last summer's window, I know there's, there's much 
much mirth really as you know a lot of people say oh Burnley bought the championship and some uh rather you know rather ironic coming from uh supporters of a certain football club down the road who invented the whole thing but uh it's uh last summer Burnley spent more money than they've ever spent in a summer transfer window you know more more than any of the years in the Premier League and obviously that you know it, it was half of what they brought into the club but they're going to have to have you know, I think thirty million, you know, thirty million pounds of most is spent in a summer window. It's got to be, it's got to be more than that. Simple, but uh, yeah, if you're talking, you know, the Chelsea wanting twenty for Martin. We've heard that you know Southampton want fifteen million upwards for Teller. You know, Bart Verbruggen from Anderlecht looks you know to be destined for Brighton for twenty million quid. It's it's ballpark for talented young European footballer mm. these days, isn't it? And it's unless you can box clever, you know, it's you know, got to be able to, you know, you know, see Vincent showed last summer, you know, to be able to pick up, you know, players that he, he's sort of that, that have caught his eye in in Belgium, picked them up for for buttons, really, you know, players like uh, you know, like Benson and. Uh, I think people like that, and you know, to to, to you know, buyer. We forget that buyers already what we fifteen million mm. euro to make that permanent. Yeah, it's a lot of money for Burnley Football Club already spent, and people won't even. I see people, you know, there's still some there's some people weeping and wailing that they haven't brought anyone, and the window's been open like less than a week, and people forget buyers already through the door. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. It, it's. I say the the Nathan Redmond link that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago has sort of come up again in Turkey today. With would you would you would you bring Redmond in at twenty nine on a free rather than Teller, who's he's, he's unproven in the Premier League? I think League. I heard that transfer link first on this podcast. I think oh, you might be underselling that, Chris. That was a well, that was a Chris <laughs> Borden from the BON World Exclusive that's turning out to look, look like it's got legs. So, you know, I don't need to be modest, Chris. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think, well, I like Redmond. My, my turkey, my Turkish friends. Extensive yeah. contacts. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think, I think Redmond would be a good signing, but as a sort of addition to the squad, not necessarily as like, I'd rather have Teller, you know. But, uh, I mean, money wise, Andrew, I mean, in, in terms of, if we are saying that we need to bring in five or six players, including, uh, the loan players, and we are looking now at players who are going to cost fifteen to twenty million. We're talking there about going well over sixty million in a window, aren't we? Um, is, is is that realistic uh, for the club, even with the different approach to financing that we now have? Yeah, I think it is. I think that's. I mean, that is it. I was saying to somebody the other day, I, I can foresee us spending. You know, on paper, because it's always on paper, isn't it? It's never kind of, you know, it's half the time you don't pay the full transfer fees because there's, you know, uh, clauses and all that kind of thing. And and add on, sometimes you pay a bit more, sometimes you pay more when you sell them. But I I can see us spending 80, 90 million because, like you say, you know, combined Bayer and Oberfemi, you're 15 million quid deep there, aren't you? If you think 3 million quid for uh, Michael Oberfemi, which is cheaper than we were quoted last summer. You know, 15 million euros, which is God knows what in today's post-Brexit climate for for Bayer. But yeah, absolutely. I think I think we get the Teller deal done, and it's it rises to 15 million. 
I'm not sure. I, I agree with Woody. I'm not sure I'd go for Matson at that price. But if Chelsea can meet us halfway, then absolutely you'd have him. Chris mentioned Redmond. Absolutely you'd take Redmond because if you can get a season out of him like we got out of the um, out of Goodmanson, for instance. So you know he changes the mm. way he plays to fit the company system. Um, absolutely, I think he's a great you know experienced Premier League link but I mean I've lost count of the amount of players where we've been linked with I mean there's Tresor from from Belgium the replacement goalkeeper who, who won the Belgian league uh the French lad um instead of Verbruggen but again you know he'll come in at half the cost of Verbruggen still spending 10 million quid on a keeper perhaps um, you know, these are gone are the days when we were kind of waiting for, you know, Lansbury and Driver and the likes to appear in Paddy and Chippy. Um, you know, we, we're actually, we're actually, you know, we're actually fishing in ponds, mm. which lots of people have been fishing in for years. Whereas we had very strict kind of, you know, Dale Stevens. I mean, remember the summer when we just got Dale Stevens? Remember the summer when we, we got Will Norris? You know, we're fishing mm. in different ponds now. Um, and that, you know, that is what we want. You know, it shows a level of ambition and we will miss out on players because other teams will go higher like Brighton after Verbruggen. But we've clearly got a limit that what company thinks Verbruggen is worth. And it's it will be a shame if we miss out because we've been tracking him for so long. But, you know, that's life in, in this level, if you will. I think Verbruggen does show the benefit, though, of, you know, like you were saying before, Chris, that we were we were interested in him last year and very maybe close to getting him last year, and sometimes you've just got to pull the trigger and, and pay a little bit more for that player that you really value. Then because a year later he can be worth three times that amount. Well, see, so literally could have got him for a quarter of the price last summer for Brugham. Uh, Yellow Ten Ruvala, the, you know the goalkeeping coach, he came to Burnley with with Vincent took him to Anderlecht from NAC Breda and again we're, we're, t- we're talking about you know the, with Verbruggen it's clear to see you know he, he's going to have a very high ceiling and uh, I say I'm saying I've surprised Manchester United he, his attributes are what Manchester United need to replace David De Gea with and it would make perfect sense for them to jump in but uh, we'll see we'll see but but talking about fishing in, you know, fishing in ponds that you're familiar with, but I was interested to see uh, our friend Vout link with Everton. I think it'd be a, yeah, a, yeah. an ideal solution for 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 everyone. That's it. Talk, talking to, you know, talking to a couple of reporters in uh, in in Turkey uh, that you know didn't <laughs> you didn't well, he didn't. He, they were they weren't enamoured with the way he left Besiktas. Hmm. You know, he, he, he sort of made no, 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 well, no one was no <laughs> one's going to stand. His there, did he? Yeah, well, no one's going to no one's going to stand in his way to go to Manchester United. But it, it was it was a it was a fate accompli. If you know, he, he sort of basically walked you know walked hmm. out and he, he down tools and I'm I'm off. I'm you know it's a done deal before and you know anything had been signed and sealed. But uh, I could you know Everton who. Short of a few quid, you think you like to think if Burnley can pick up ten million quid for him, you know maybe maybe Sean's seen something, you know he can get more out of him than he got out of Burnley, mm. uh, out of him at Burnley. But that uh, no, first four games, he looked a proper player, didn't he? Dropping deep, he could carry the ball. He did, to know, be lit- fair, yeah. But after that, dear me, yeah. and subsequently, bar bar a fifteen minute window for Holland against Argentina, I think uh, we've. We've not seen anything, haven't we? Yeah. Quite a window, that though, isn't it? 
Yeah, <laughs> it's a, well, you give your you give your uh, IT for a window like that in your football career, wouldn't you? But it's interesting <laughs> though that he's he's kind of the only one we're talking about outgoing, isn't it? I mean, quite a lot, quite a lot of quite mm. a lot of our players had great seasons last season, and I would have expected a little bit more speculation and interest in some of the star performers who we actually signed rather than the loan players, you know, but I can't believe no one is being linked with Zaruri, for example, because he, he, he's clearly yeah, the real deal, too. isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. There were links, yeah. weren't there? I mean, there's nothing sort of seems to have come uh, of any substance. I think Juventus and Dortmund were, 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 there was speculation. I think Benson had similar, didn't he? But uh, you say no one's come knocking on the door officially, it would seem, but uh, there's an interesting uh, aspect to all of this, which is a bit broader than Burnley, but it's probably worth touching on briefly. I was talking to somebody um, who's worked in and around Premier League clubs for a while who was saying that, you know, there's been so much attention and focus on data in transfers and everyone analysing the data and how the value of players is is linked to how much data there is about them in top leagues or in relevant leagues um and so their their prices are going up with with that information and saying that really the 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 gains you can get and the advantage you can get if you don't have a lot of money isn't in technology and data but it's the exact opposite it's if you can go and watch a young player playing his third or fourth game for a team in Belgium or somewhere, and go, you've and you've got a scout who really knows his stuff, all the old school techniques that scouts use, who's got an eye for a footballer, mm-hmm. who goes, that lad's a footballer, get him now. How much can we get him for? Two million, get him now, before there's any data on him, and everyone else in the world can scout him. I mean, that's probably what we've been doing, right? I mean that's probably what we've been doing. I don't, I, I don't think we 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 sign some of these players from Belgium if they haven't been seen by either company or some of his scouts. And it's not the data there; it's it's the fact that they've looked at them and said they're a good player. It's, it's an interesting one, you know. I think there's still a, still a value there, and we still are going to be looking at value because the club's finances aren't as such that we can casually spend hundred million in a window like you know Arsenal are about to do and, and other clubs do. So talking of finances, this week there's been uh, more information come out about um, ALK Capital and how they are financing the running of the club. Um, It's always a complicated one. Uh, We always say that we're not accountants, so we'll get that out of the way now. Uh, None of us are accountants, none of us are financiers. But it does look like, uh, Andrew, you've had a look at this, I think, it does look like Burnley have taken out another big loan to cover the previous loan or is, is is that a fair way of describing it yeah i think so i think there's there's been a couple of things posted at company's house charges which are essentially um i guess you'd kind of call them securities so you know when you borrow big amounts of money from from banks then you you kind of put up a surety or in it uh, security and it looks like the club um, there was lots of talk of the MSD loan, which is the Michael Dell of, you know, Dell Computers loan being paid off back, back in November um, and that the club had refinanced that with 
a loan from from the Australian bank. Is it Macari? I think they're called uh, the Australian bank, who have lots of football clubs on on their books, shall we say? Um, and uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, we're told that this loan has been refinanced at around half the interest rate. Which, given the way kind of mortgage rates have hit this week and things, then you know it's um, it, it's probably a shrewd move from the club to kind of shift that loan onto another one. But there's also this kind of um, this kind of talk in terms of whether it's um, you know the the securities, the charges that have appeared appear to suggest that what the club have actually done is taken out a credit facility with um, with with Macari Bank with the, this Australian lender, um, which you know. They, they've guaranteed against Turf Moor, against Gawthorpe, against the, the Sports Barn, which is where you and Woody will be. Is, is that new that they're guaranteeing loans against the Turf? Yeah, and I don't think it's that unusual. I think it's, you know, that and future TV money, I think up until January 2025 is is the kind of guarantee. And of course, it doesn't mean to say that, you know, the 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 lender will, will kind of, you know, snatch the club assets land assets away from the club it's it's just if we can't pay the money then we might be in a little bit of trouble uh, as i understand it like I say not an accountant but but yeah it's interesting that we, it's come at this time when you know we're perhaps have set up maybe 100 million quid or whatever it is um 60 million quids worth of loan stroke lending facilities with with the bank as we're hitting transfer season um you know as with anything you don't really ever find out how much this stuff costs until the accounts come out in another 12 months time. And even then, I think it'll only be a partial picture given how late we were filing the accounts for this season. Um, you know, the after the accounts uh, section on the, the, the club accounts, you know, touched on some of the stuff that had happened, but not a lot. We talked about JJ Watt's investment being more from a, a marketing point of view than a hard cash point of view. But I just wonder whether the club are hoping that JJ Watt's involvement and you know a good start in the Premier League season might suddenly bring investors to the table um, which again will mean that you know Alan Pace and Co perhaps don't have to part with any of their own hard-earned um, in, in order to kind of fund this ongoing journey lots of people suggesting you know again shout out to to kind of Chester Perry Paul Warren and and others on up the clarets I think they do a really good job of trying to explain a lot mm, of this do, speculation yeah. because they're trying to you know they're, they're trying to work with both hands tied behind the backs because it's not transparent um but yeah interesting times in terms of the finances and what it might mean for what we can do this summer what do you what do you make of it all Justin I, I must admit mm. I don't I don't really uh I mean once we went into that huge debt that we'd never been into before we were obviously looking at a completely different situation from the you know never mind the frank teasdale we can have a kitty <laughs> days but you know the, the the kilby uh garlic era of you know running a tight ship and keeping spending under control and so on we were obviously into an era of law does it does it change things significantly if we're taking out yet more mm. loans to cover transfers yeah we we don't obviously we don't have the details do we but it, you can't, these days, you can't run a football club like that and expect to be successful. You know, you, you, you just have to take the risks, don't you? Um, mm. I mean, w the kind of money we're talking about spending now uh, is far removed from the million pounds we were spending on Dale Stevens that summer a few years ago. He's destined his <laughs> Dale Stevens to be, uh, to be a reference and, point and, for the rest of it. And, 
look what happened after that. You know, two years later, we got we got relegated because we hadn't invested in the club enough, and people were complaining about it. Um, now we are investing in the club um, and in players, in the playing staff, and we're spending quite a lot of money, or it looks like we might be spending quite a lot of money. We certainly spent a lot last summer, but we we all we also have to remember that these players are assets, aren't they? We're not we're not spending you know whatever it is we spend on Nathan Teller or whatever it is we spend on uh, Ian Matson or whoever comes in this summer. We we and then and then that money's gone. It's it's invested in those players who have the potential to be sold on for perhaps even bigger fees. You know, if you if you look at players like Zaruri and Benson, who we spent you know we gambled you know on them we spent i don't I, I don't know the exact sums i don't think anybody does but i i, re, I remember we spent three million or so on each of those two now they're they're now worth more than that aren't they so that's what it's all about isn't it burnley is it has become a club or is trying to become a club that invests in these young players coaches them brings them on has success with them and then they've got to sell them on to bigger clubs and then reinvest that cash and i think we're just at the start of that journey so i don't it's it's a risk, isn't it? It is a risk, but you don't get anywhere in football without taking risks. Well, in fact, we know where you get, you know, if you don't take those risks, and that is back down into the championship. Yeah, I, I do view it differently to how I viewed the leverage takeover thing because, you know, that, that, that was a particular technique which, you know, and this is an interesting one that came out last week, isn't it, that the Premier League actually voted unanimously i.e with the votes of alan pace's burnley to outlaw 100 percent leveraged uh takeovers which was an, an interesting one but this is a different issue from that isn't it? i mean this is investing in players and, and and generating revenue to be able to compete in the premier league Well, thanks for joining us on another episode of From the Be-All End. We'll be back soon with another one for you as we start the build-up towards this new season and hopefully have plenty of new signings in the coming weeks to talk about as well. Please do let your friends know about us. Subscribe to us on your favourite podcast platforms. If we're not on those platforms, let us know and we'll see what we can do about fixing that. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Behold Podcast. It's the same name on Facebook as well, Behold Podcast. Follow us on there. Tell us your tell your friends about us. Let everyone know, and we'll speak to you again soon.